You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1091 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday, and thank you as always for joining us on the podcast. Please make the Lockdown Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out for free on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's podcast is actually a two-part episode with my friend and friend of the podcast, Tyler Jones. He'll be joining me momentarily for a lengthy discussion. As always, when Tyler joins me, it was fun for all parties. With that said, there are some practice updates to get to um, and some general news stuff at the top of the podcast. Um, the Hawks practice on Monday after having Sunday off following the game in Memphis on Saturday night. Trey Young returned to practice a little bit on Monday, as well as DeAndre Hunter. That's good news on all counts. Clint Capella did some live work for the first time all season long. That's also a positive sign. Not a full practice for Clint um, by all accounts, but still some live work for the first time. That's an encouraging step. Keep that in mind as we go through this podcast. All, uh, the one guy who did not practice that Nate McMillan shared was DeLon Wright. He missed Saturday's game with an ankle issue after leaving the previous game. Not sure how severe that is, but he did not practice on Monday. One transaction also to point out, on Monday afternoon, the Hawks elected to waive Jalil Okafor. Um, not a huge surprise. He didn't play for six straight quarters from the second game to the first half of the third game. He did come in after that, but I've kind of long thought that Timothy Loewe-Cabarro was in the driver's seat for that final roster spot for the Hawks. I still feel that way at this point in time. This is, I would say, some further confirmation of that, although nothing definitive at this point in time. They could go with 14. That's definitely plausible to me. They could just not carry either one of these guys. But I think if, you, if you're going to have TLC on a non-guaranteed contract, it's probably a good idea to keep him around. I think he's an NBA rotation caliber wing for a small cost, which is a, probably a good thing to have in your reserves. Also, people were asking me today about Sharif Cooper potentially being added to the roster. That is possible. They are allowed to do that. It just takes a it takes both sides. You have to agree to a deal um, and really it only makes sense for the Hawks if it's a super team-friendly contract because two ways are very team-friendly. So for the Hawks to tear that up and give them a full contract would be, uh, they'd have to have some real incentive to do that. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but I would still guess right now that that last roster spot goes to TLC at this point in time, but a lot can change in the next eight or nine days. Um, one final note before I get to my conversation with Tyler, I've been always uh, hesitant to you know sort of do some overarching introductions, but I know I have new listeners sometimes, and I want to pass along who Tyler is. Um, he is a Hawks fan. He's really the only like pure Hawks fan that I have on the podcast with any regularity whatsoever. He doesn't cover the league in terms of being a writer or anything like that, but he is a keen Hawks observer. I think he is very smart, watches every game in detail. I always enjoy talking to him. He's sort of a fan favorite on this podcast as well. People always want to hear more from Tyler, so uh, that's why he is back, and that's who, that's the voice that you will hear momentarily. Um, that's just a little bit on him, and we'll, we'll sort of plug where you find him at the end of the podcast, but that's just a little background there. Also, Last thing, uh, we recorded on Sunday, Sunday night instead of Monday, so I had to hold the podcast for about 24 hours. Nothing has really changed, just some uh, references to Sunday and some references to yesterday with regard to the game on Saturday. So I think you'll be able to follow it, but we, we, did, we did record this on Sunday night, and uh, we're posting it Monday evening into Tuesday morning. So hopefully that all makes sense, and we'll have much, much more as the Hawks finish off their preseason run on Thursday, and then the regular season begins next Thursday. We're only eight or nine days away as I'm recording this podcast, so uh, we're almost there. 
and buckle up for all of that. All right, before we get to Tyler and a fun conversation that is coming up, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good, and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty, and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, the calorie range is 130 to 180, they only have 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and they only have 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board, they're all tasty, and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. I am joined now by good friend of the podcast. It's been way too long, quite honestly. And Tower Jones is back. Hello, sir. How are you? How how your Falcons looking, Brad? I, I see they won today. Uh, yeah, they won a football game. It was typical Falcons. They tried to lose it in every possible way in the second half, and I don't know. That's a different conversation. That's that's for sure. Fred, uh, Fred Smith's son. Fred Smith's son, as you uh, as you often call him, is at, at the helm. So I worked I worked for his father. So you, know. <laughs> you you all might call him by his first name. I, he will always be Fred Smith's son to me. Uh, so. Nah, man, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've been more into football games this year since probably since I stopped playing football. Uh, so, like, shout out to Mina Kimes for, like, reigniting my football blood. Granted, I don't root for a team now. I just watch the games. And, like, I think it's because of fantasy football. Yeah. And more, more like fantasy football Twitter because the memes are just incredible. And like it's just funny, and like people get so Brad, people get so mad, especially when the fight <laughs> ends. Since I follow a lot of Atlanta fans, Falcons fans get so angry and sad when they lose. And I just find it funny now. Like uh, last week's game, <laughs> man, that that was that was you know, it's like it's like Mike Smith never left, man. Oh lord, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, how, how do the Falcons have the same coach? I it's... wonder how do they continually have the same exact head coach every year. <laughs> like, I wonder what's the same. This time it was uh, an offensive guy instead of a defensive guy. But uh, other than that, I'm, I'm pretty much with you. It's uh, not been my favorite thus far. But, hey, they, they won today. I'm going to bask in the, in the afterglow. It's the one team locally that I still root for like a crazy person. And uh, I'm, you probably made the right choice to get off the narcotic that is the Falcons. But I'm still there. So it's unfortunate. Oh, you, you don't root for the – the Braves and you know Freddie Freeman, uh, you know <laughs> bullying his teammates. I want the Braves to do well, but I do cover them. I've been in the press box there, so it's a little bit different. As soon as you like cover a team, I try to explain this to people all the time. As soon as you cover them for real, it, it's a little bit different. Now I am still closer to a fan of the Braves than the Hawks, whereas like you know I've been to every Hawks game for like a decade now. It's a little bit different. Um, yeah, the Falcons I've I've covered like twice in my life. I don't really. Uh, I'm just a fan, and I can be a psycho about them. I'm allowed, and it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's just good to know. 
I'm just trying to give the listener an idea that Brad is actually a human being. I am not a, robot, not a robot on other teams other than the Falcons. I try not uh, I mean, other than the Falcons, other than the Hawks. And even then, I, I, I get I get riled up by the Hawks sometimes, just not as much as I used to. So absolutely, but it's just never on the pod. No, I, so I will do it to I'm you. Try to bring it, in DM, like, or something. I'm gonna try to bring it out. I'm gonna try to bring it out uh, <laughs> on this podcast. People love so them. We'll people see. people love when when you and I argue on the podcast. So it's a uh, what, what do we argue? We agree on most everything. That is true. It's just I, I think it's the the limited times where we, we have like a slight disagreement. People like that. I don't know what's going on, but it's uh really whenever you're on the sh- whenever you're on, you're on the show, people seem to like. Uh, you more than me, which is not a secret, I don't think. Uh, but it is people seem to enjoy when we at least get a little bit animated when you and I talk. So, in general, though, we do agree quite a bit. And uh, I guess we'll talk about some Hawks. And I will say, I, I tweeted this to you, but I guess I have to refer to you as a correspondent since you were in the building on Saturday night in Memphis. Uh, people don't know this, but I guess uh, you know you are kind of. I'm not saying you're, you're, you're not from there, but you uh, you live close by. Uh, yes, and you were in the, I you're in the building. Do live close by. You were in the building yeah, on Saturday I night, at, and I was not there, so uh, you were on the scene. I wasn't. I, I defer to yeah, you. Yeah, I was. I was at the game. Um, some things I report on. <laughs> I showed up late, just like I never left Atlanta. So I was. I missed like the first six minutes of the first quarter uh, because I'm a dummy and I just forgot how to park in the city I live in. So, I mean, unlike in Atlanta, I can find free parking. But uh, the downside is that, you know, you can waste some time doing that. But, you know, I wasn't about to pay money. To, uh, it's an exhibition game, somewhere. to be fair. Like, you're, yeah. The, exactly. uh, the, 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 already, the intensity level is different. Yeah, and I, got, and I got pretty good seats. I went into the wrong entrance. I went into, like, the super elite entrance where you're not supposed to go if you're, like, if, you, if you're, um, you know, in a certain tax bracket, like, and I'm not in that tax bracket, but I definitely entered through that entrance. Nobody said anything, so I felt like a big, big timer. Had good seats. I was right. I was, I mean, I tweeted a picture, if you guys saw it, like, I was literally right behind the Hawks bench. I, that was not planned. I had no idea where these seats were. And I got to saw some stuff. You get this, it's funny how you get to just see different things when you're at the game compared to what you see on television. Um, it is very one, different. Very different. Uh, uh, to that, one thing that I think that the biggest thing you know is just how big everybody is and how <laughs> how just tall these human beings are. Like they are very tall. And the other thing is is you notice how they interact to hecklers because it's pretty funny. Oh yeah, um, there was some <laughs> some nice some nice old lady was heckling the Hawks, Hawks at the beginning of the game, and they kind of. They kind of all turned at the same time, and, and basically that stopped happening um, after that incident. But it was pretty funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so I could talk about some stuff about that Hawks game. Um, other than it was, it was definitely a preseason game, and they, you know, the common trend is that the Hawks are definitely playing at preseason levels during certain intervals. Um, yes. There was the one stretch in the third I, quarter where they kind, of, they kind of turned it up a little bit. They had that, like, 14-2 run or whatever it was. And it was like, oh, they're actually making shots and flying around a little bit. But uh, yeah. and, but I will say um, there was some concerning stuff. Like, uh, I guess I can just start with my viewpoint. Like, Kevin Herter as the point guard, and we, we've seen this from Kevin Herter before when he has, like, added responsibility 
like he kind of overthinks stuff and like that first half was a lot of overthinking from him yeah like just very passive very like he knows the pass is supposed to go there but he's scared to turn the ball over and so then he compounds the issue by not making the right read and making the right play on the possession that third quarter run really started when bogey started running the offense instead and he just shot the ball right like he just opened the floor he shot the basketball when he was open didn't think about it then they get a stop kevin hurt is running the break and like now all of a sudden like somebody clearly it was after a timeout and clearly uh nate was like okay y'all you guys need to start playing for real at least like during one stretch and stop wasting everybody's time here and so like herder just started like you know attacking more and playing like he stopped thinking and just started playing it and he played a lot better and the team played a lot better and they showed their they showed their value as a team and so um overall like it's not ideal that they're not you know they're not executing on offense but i'm not worried because they're also um you know your your arch nemesis is over at atl and 29 <laughs> as glenn and uh Glenn and Kevin pointed out, like, they're not really running their offense. They are not. It's more like, yeah. It's weird to say because they, they really aren't running their offense. Like, it's very, all right, we're going to get this guy going. Then we're going to get this guy going. Um, You know, not really, not really any real plan to what they're doing. And, and you, and you see in their shot distribution, like, the first half, it was, it was pretty bad. Like they got no threes up uh, compared to the second half, where they, where they they were clearly told they need to let it fly and get into a some sort of rhythm to get some value out of these preseason games. But um, you know, overall, I had fun at the games. Um, certain players on the Hawks team didn't have fun. We might talk about that later, but you know, yeah, it was it was an interesting game in a lot of ways. You know, not the best played game. The first half in particular was not. The most fun to watch um, at home. I will say, I will say to counter that, um, like their efficiency was bad, but like they were also missing, like John Collins in particular. Like, I mean, his box score was good. I thought he didn't actually play that well. They missed a bunch of layups um, on, yesterday. Like, on a lot either of end, and like a lot, a lot of them missed a bunch of layups. Like a lot of the team, and but John in particular, where you know he was missing shots and layups that he makes eighty percent of the time. And even free throws. He missed three free throws. He hasn't done that since like his rookie year. So like they like and then on <laughs> see that's the thing. You when you're watching the game, you can notice some tendencies of certain players. So um the Grizzlies big man who they drafted in the first round, I believe his last name is Almada. Oh Sandy Al- Sandy Aldama. Yeah. Aldama. Aldama. Yeah. yeah. Uh they had no respect for him. <laughs> like they <laughs> They were treating him like he didn't exist, right? To the point that I think he twice got dunks just off of nothing plays where they kind of just left him because they didn't respect his game at all. Yeah, he, he took 14 he, shots. Like, he, he was just, like, able to shoot right, whatever he wanted right. to. They had, they had zero respect for him. He took a step-back three-pointer against Jaleel Okafor at the top of the key, and he airballed it, and, like... The fan to my right with me was like, what the hell was that? Do you even practice <laughs> that, bro? What? <laughs> and I was I was stunned at the shot attempts. And like none of these no, nobody on the Hawks respected him. So I don't know how well his box score at ended up looking, but like, especially on like John Collins, anytime John Collins had the ball against him, he like he knew he can get any shot he wanted. 
I do think there are some things they need to clean up. One is the turnovers, and more importantly, they need to – when they get these switches and they're trying to get the ball to um, either John or Gallo in the post, they need to not give up their dribble so easily, right? Like, I think that's one thing where they're really – like, where they're either giving up their dribble or they're not even looking to drive until, like – like Kevin Herter finally did it in the third quarter where Colin sealed this guy. He just drove hard and got an easy layup. Like they need to do more of that and less post-ups on these mismatches. It's not like it's like they got to find a better balance because it's just too easy to defend when they do these switches. Cause like the passing acumen just hasn't been there from any of these guys. And, uh, and like I said before, I didn't think John, I thought this was John's worst effort. Um, both physically and mentally, like on both ends, but like he was still good. But other than that, like overall, it was a it was definitely preseason, um, and uh, you know it's good that they came out of it relatively healthy, though Jay got hurt again. We're back to Tyler and myself in just one moment, but first a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week, and it made no sense at all and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball, and it's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to counter with their team's total score, ensuring that an even number of games are played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players had more scheduled games that week are over, and so is the fact that you have mindless daily busy work in the previous environment, and if you're giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work, those days are also over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on all kinds of factors from player matchups to home versus away, opponents' defensive rankings, pace of play, and much more. And all of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty leagues, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. If you can download the Sleeper app right now and start a league with your friends today, you will not be disappointed. Sleeper's one-of-a-kind Game Pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Check it out and download the Sleeper app today. Today's podcast is also brought to you by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about the simple way you get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We don't know anything about Jang. As we record this, you and I, on Sunday night, uh, there's been no update on Jang, so we're kind of guessing there was no practice today, so they're off until Monday. I, if anything happens, I'll, I'll update it at the top of the podcast before people listen to this. But you still have no Capella at this point, and Nate has now said that he expects that he will not play at all in preseason. Obviously, that does not rule out for the opener, but it's a question, to be sure. Uh, DeAndre Hunter missed the game on Saturday. He was listed as questionable, which is probably encouraging, uh, and warmed up but didn't play. And then Trey's out, of course, as well with the uh, with the contusion. I'm not really worried about Trey. I mean, maybe you are, but I'm not. Um, 
But do you have any uh, lingering concerns uh, about the two prominent guys who are not playing right now? In particular, Capella. You know, Akago's going to be out for a while, so that's kind of a different thing. But Capella is the one that I'm focused on, and I'm officially a little a little bit worried, I will say, is the way I put it. Well, I can say with certainty, like, at the game and watching the game, and based on the three preseason games as well, Nate doesn't trust any of his big men outside of uh, John Collins and Dilio Gallinari. Like, he trusts none of them. Um, I think he said earlier, and that was pretty clear, that Jang is just not in game shape. He kind of alluded to. I mean, he didn't really say it like specifically about Gorgie, but he also he he talks about conditioning a lot and also transition. I think Kevin mentioned last time on his show as well. But like, there was a quick transition from conditioning to Gorgie talk, and it wasn't prompted by a question. So that kind of made me think that maybe Jang is one of those guys that they're not thrilled about the conditioning. But he's not said it quite as explicitly. I would say. Well, at the game, I just say that Jang is not relative to his peers and relative. Like to other, like he's in shape enough to get up down the floor. And he's not huffing and puffing, but like sure. also, he's making basic errors. Like he's fumbling easy rebounds. Like, and just he's just not, like he's just not there where they need him to be physically, and that's a concern because Capella. Um, the last thing I read about Capella was that he's going to actually do something on Monday because apparently he hasn't done anything. There's been nothing live to this point with Capella. He's been around the team, but nothing live at all. Yeah, I believe the most he's done is be, be on a treadmill and do some light stuff, rehab stuff. But, like, he's not actually done any on-the-floor things. So, you know, there is a possibility that the Hawks start the season without Capella. Oh, yeah. Definitely possible. And, I, and again, I can tell you guys, like – uh, during the game, Jalen Johnson absolutely got benched. Like, it wasn't – nobody said anything. Like, the coach didn't say anything to Jalen, but, like, he got he definitely got benched after making two effort-related mistakes. Um, one where he get let allowed Conchard just dunk the basketball after gambling for a steal. And then, like, almost a couple plays later, uh, he's – playing the pick and roll and he defends the like he defends the um he defends the floater properly but instead of fighting back to get into rebound position and get a body on his like his on the big man he kind of just floats and like is just away from the action and the Grizzlies just get an easy tip in that shouldn't happen in the NBA and like Nate immediately went back to Jane and like just benched Jalen for the rest of the half like Jalen didn't Jalen only played 16 minutes in a preseason game. So, like, Nate's not happy with him. He's not happy with Jane because he's – I feel like he's almost punishing Jane by playing him extended minutes. Like, Yeah, Jane I, I kind of laughed. Like he, played, he played 30 minutes in the second game, and I was like, man, he's – this is a this is a vet. Like you don't normally play a vet this much that you're like gonna rely on this year on some level. He played a ton in that second game. He wasn't he wasn't the only one, but he was the one that stood out to me as like he played the most, I think. He was the first guy to get to 30 minutes, and it was noticeable that he was uh keeping him out there for long stretches. Yeah, he's trying to you know, he's trying to get him in the shape that way. So we'll see if that works. And hopefully the hand thing's not serious, but I mean the but on the bright side, like Collins and Gallo look great. Um uh, Gallo in particular, like I mean, physically, he looks great. I thought he was actually really good yep. defensively. I, I think he's been really good defensively all preseason. That 
he's being very physical and he's fighting for rebounds and he's fighting for position and he's doing his job. And so like, you know, his deficiencies as defenders just are lessened because he's playing, you know, he's playing super physical and he's playing super big. And it like, it just helps on the glass. Now they're still getting killed because they're playing relatively small, but you know, it's just that he's making a lot of effort plays that are surprising for a bet of his stature. Um, and they're going to need him early on in, in the season with how, you know, again, if Capella's not ready to go, it's going to be a lot of Collins and Gallinari, like, and like Nate, we know Nate McMillan will lean on guys he trusts. Like, he's talked, it, it's funny, he's talked in the preseason about, um, how he has 10, 11, 12 guys that he can go to and all that good stuff. Yep. But it feels to me, and I, I and I felt this watching the, these games and these preseason games, that he clearly trusts the guys who won games in the playoffs, like just flat out. That's what happens, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised by like, that. I think you're right. And, and yeah. DeAndre Hunter, and, and included, including DeAndre Hunter as well, because like he just... Sure, yeah. Like, as long as DeAndre Hunter is healthy, like he'll just play. He's gonna he's gonna start he's gonna start and play yes and there's no concerns there, but you compare that to Jane, Dylan Wright I think I think actually Nate actually likes what Dylan Wright was bringing uh, the couple games that we did get to see him play they were doing different things including switching heavily which is something they have not done and Nate has talked about the fact that they want to do that with with Dylan Wright because and also you know this is something that coaches say but. He talked about being a big fan of rights for a long time, and it didn't. You know, Nate isn't going to necessarily just go out of his way to say that. Like, I think he actually has just some affinity for Delon Wright overall, which is one of the reasons why I've been talking about. I think I, I think he's going to play every night on some level, and the switchability thing. Like, he's kind of said it. Un, I think twice now, unprompted almost. Like, they want to at least give some looks with Trey off the court where they can switch stuff now where they weren't before. And you know, before before now he's. Twisted his ankle. It wasn't reported, but he sprained his ankle in the heat game. And then it looks like he re-injured it uh, against Cleveland. So hopefully he'll be ready to go uh, by the time the season starts. But uh, no, Nate Nate likes him. I don't know how Nate feels about Cam Reddish. Uh, Something I've mentioned a few times just because... I'm being nice. Because there's two factors. Yeah, I mean... And I think it's more important. Lou Williams looks really good out here. Lou does look good. Um... Lou, I'm pretty sure Lou came into the season and they told him that playing time wouldn't be guaranteed. But uh, Lou looks really good. Um, And Cam does not. So, and also (laughs) the way, like, there's a very, there's a, like, gulf of difference between how Nate McMillan treats the guys he trusts compared to Cam Reddish who um, I don't know how else to say this during the game against the Grizzlies he was openly pouting like during that first half and then in the second half I don't know if you noticed this but I did when I rewatched the game he didn't come into the game again and until three minutes left to go in the third quarter yeah they definitely I made a note of that he he sat for a longer time um after that, I don't know if that was you know obviously I wasn't there so I could I can't I don't have the bench uh, focused enough that you were able to see but it did it did I didn't notice that and I was pretty can I thought he was pretty terrible in the first half he was better in the second half 
Um, but it's just one of those things where Cam, uh, I, I try to point this out a few times, but Nate's never coached Cam. And that does matter. I know, you know, famously Cam and Cam did not seem to like Lloyd very much. Um, but the reality is like Nate McMillan coached all these other guys last year and really didn't get to coach Cam. I know Cam came back in the playoff series and, you know, but still wasn't even in the rotation for the most part. And he's never really gotten to coach him. So we don't really know how Nate feels about Cam. Like obviously in the pecking order of the rotation, I think Cam is the fourth wing. If you just kind of go through the list, but we we truly don't know aside from like the throwaway comments. We don't we don't know in terms of playing time and how like the chips and how it be when, when the chips are down. How Nate feels about Cam? That's not even like a negative. It's just we we truly don't know the answer to that because he hasn't coached him before. So Brett, he honestly might be the fifth wing. If are you, are you throwing, are you throwing in right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Yeah, like if you consider Dylan Wright a wing, and like I feel like Dylan Wright is both. He's a bit too good to just put him in you play like it to just be in Lou Williams role of only playing like 12 minutes a game what he was doing last year for the Hawks just purely being Trey Young's backup considering all how both how big Dylan Wright is he's legitimate 6'5 legitimate over 200 pounds good wingspan very good defender he's a mediocre three-point shooter but he's not like end of the world terrible but you know he's not Solomon Hill bad but he's not you know he's like a career what 33 34 percent three-point shooter fairly mediocre but he's very physical as a driver finishes at the rim consistently um and knows his role and plays it well compared to Cam Reddish where I think this is my reading because DeAndre Hunter didn't play against the Grizzlies. Now, Nate McMillan did say openly that Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter aren't starters. Yes. But Kevin Herter started against the Grizzlies at point guard. Yeah, that was interesting. Cam Reddish didn't. <laughs> yeah. I found that fairly, and Solomon Hill did, did. I found that fairly noticeable off the jump from the from the get-go. I was like, okay. Um, on the one hand, I do feel like his teammates do like, like flat out do like Cam Reddish. They were very supportive of him during the Cleveland game where he was super struggling and like they were giving him positive reinforcement, good advice, all that good stuff. And he had a very good second half. But then, you know, I'm watching the game. You're, you're the one who texted, like, that's the thing. I'm watching the game. I don't even notice Cam Reddish's playing like i know he's in the game but like he's making no impact towards doing anything positive you text me like man cam is playing like cam is not playing well i'm like hmm? i i look at his numbers i'm like he hasn't made a shot yet blah 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 he was like oh for four at the time i was like you know this looks like typical bad you know cam i rewatched the game that first half he's openly pouting not only is he pouting, but like he's like, I mean, Brian Gallo is shooting free throws, and it's noticed. And it was after I rewatched the game, it was very noticeable. Everybody else, typically during free throws, this team, I'm talking about this team culturally, everybody like taps the free throw guy's hands or acknowledges him in some way. Cam did nothing. He didn't move from his spot at all, and like you could literally see his body language where he's openly pouting. I'm like, uh-oh. 
right? I, I, that's that's my own thought. Second half, again, second half, I thought I didn't think much of it watching it live, except for he. I don't know how to say this, but he was clearly animated about something um, after his last stint. And they, and really, it was Solomon Hill kind of just talking to him as a vet, just trying to explain some stuff to him. I, I, I mean, I didn't hear the conversation, but like, there was clearly something where Cam clearly was not happy after his last stint in the game. Like, he just wasn't happy. Even though I rewatched the game, I was actually encouraged by his play in the second half. Yeah. But that's compounded by the fact that he openly pouted during a preseason game because he didn't like, and this is me speculating. He's openly pouting because he's not starting after playing what he thinks he played well against the Cavaliers because he made some shots. And Nate McMillan thought otherwise because again, Solomon Hill openly started um, for him, and then in the second half of the game, Cam Reddish didn't come into the game. And, until three minutes left to go in the third quarter. So there's some stuff going on with Cam. Um, I, this is my takeaway. This is, there's no sources. After I left the game and I watched him play and I saw these interactions he had with his teammates um, on the sideline, where, and like the guys weren't ultimately encouraging him, but like it was very noticeable that he was not happy. I came away thinking, that Cam might not be on this team to start the season, like flat out. Like for like this is not not even me speculating like how I was during the draft process when we heard all the rumors. This is me talking like and there's two factors for this. One, he doesn't have a really defined well, here's the thing. I think the Hawks want him in a defined role, but I'm not sure if Cam is wants to be in that role, like they need him just to be a catch and shoot guy. That, that's the biggest thing, and I'll I'll, 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 I'll I'll let you keep going. But that's the biggest, and I'm speculating too. This is not me reporting, but that's the biggest thing that I that you can see from the outside is like it seems like Cam wants to have a bigger offensive role than the Hawks need him to have, and it's that simple, honestly. Like if you want, I mean, again, this is an exhibition game, and it's three preseason games, but. He is playing like someone and I think has the confidence of someone. And if you read his interview with Chris Kirchner on The Athletic, he talks like someone who thinks he needs to have a big role on offense. And this Hawks team does not need him to have a big role on offense. So it's this interesting dichotomy where he is much, much better defensively right now than he is offensively. And they have enough guys around him where they he needs to be the fourth, fifth option on offense. And I don't think he wants to be that. So it's interesting. Like, I don't know what that means in terms of like short-term or long-term, but that does seem... I think I'm on the same page with you on some level there where it seems like, you know, just do the math. If he's playing with Trey Young and Bogey and John Collins and somebody else, like he's the fourth option or the fifth option. And yeah, he, he, he went to Duke and played with two primaries in RJ and Zion. So he's not like unused to this, but this is still a top five high school prospect who was a top 10 pick in the draft and a guy who thinks of himself as a scorer and a creator. And, I don't think that's what he should be doing on this Hawks team. So it's interesting. Yeah, and I'll and my other point is that like I said before, Brad, about the big men on this roster, Nate does not trust these guys. Like he, he just flat out if their name's not John Collins or Dylan Gallinari, he doesn't trust them. And the Scapello thing is interesting. 
and I watched the Grizzlies, and I came up with coming from that was like, man, would I really think about trading Cam Reddish for like Xavier Tillman? If I were the GM and I'm trying to win as many games as possible, Xavier Tillman would help this team a lot more right now, considering their lack of because both Capella and Okongwu are currently not in uniform, the Hawks' biggest strength, which is their big man depth, is now a very real weakness. Because, uh, like, Jane, I'm, I'm, like, the problem with Jane not being in shape, which would be fine relatively if everybody were healthy, but we're, we're down our two best centers. And I'm pretty sure Nate's not comfortable playing Jane, the amount of minutes he needs from him. To, to sustain play sustainably good defense. Like, I don't think you trust that right now. And I'm like, I think Brandon Clark or Xavier Tillman, like, they look really good. I'm like, man, the Hawks really need a big man. They really do. Because Jalen Johnson, I still like him. He is not ready. Like, no. He's a rookie. A I mean, that's the, and, <laughs> I know it's early, but that's the thing. Like, I know everybody's excited. Summer league, and I love Jalen Johnson. I think Jalen Johnson is going to be really, he's going to be very good. But it, this is going from summer league and college and being 19 years old to being on a team that's trying to win the championship this year. Like it's not yeah. the same thing. It's just not. I mean, it, both in the open practice, even though open practice is more or less the All Star game. I, I was I like was not I was quality. not there, I was not there this year, but I have been at enough of those to know that there isn't too much to take away from open practice usually. Uh, I was but I, w- I will say one thing that was noticeable was that Jalen Johnson's footwork on the catch behind the three-point line was very poor. Um, he was like, it was very unnervy. It was, and, it like, was similar in summer league, by the way, similar. And, and it's really translated in the preseason where he's, when, when he catches the ball behind the three-point line and he's open, He's not, he doesn't want to take the shot. Like, he just doesn't want to take the open jumper. And this is in turn leading him to hesitate on or try to drive when there's no real separation available. And my biggest takeaways from watching Jalen Johnson play is that he, more than anybody else, probably needs to play alongside Trey Young and John Collins because he's just not. Like, he's not the big man that John is, where John is super comfortable rolling to the rim. And, like, it's noticeable when John really wants to roll to the rim hard and, like, really suck in the defense, or Capella does the same thing. Jalen Johnson's not comfortable doing that as of yet. Like, he's just not – that's not his MO. He wants the ball in his hands. He wants to dribble, all that good stuff. Um, So, like, the big man stuff, he's just not – it's just not there with him. And he probably more than anybody else needs Trey Young to get him in those advantageous situations where he can really excel, right? Beyond just, you know, being a, a full court player. Like he's really, his best skill is catching the ball and pushing the ball up the floor. But, you know, during preseason, even the few amount of time when he, does, when he gets the rebound, like he wants to push the ball up the floor, but like the guards, clearly want the ball in their hands. And so, like, there's, like, he's suffering from the fact that he's not the guy. And so, like, he's, it's, like, it's one of these things where he's getting the ball, he wants to push the ball up the floor himself, but his guards are, like, yo, Rook. Like, it, it's, like, 
pass the ball up so that we can set the offense and get get going. So there's there's some I would put it more like it's not like the talent left him, but there's some confidence things going on with Jalen where he's just not as confident as he was in summer league, where he was just where he knew he was the best player on the floor and played like it. Like there's just some real, I think more than anything beyond anything else, like he's just got to get his confidence up. Um, It's not helped that, you know, like I said, Nate definitely benches him. Uh, Cause again, the stuff we talked, me and you talked about during preseason that Jalen was doing, Nate's not going to put up with it. And he took him out uh, game three in a preseason game in which the Hawks, other than John Collins and Danilo Gallinari, have no other big men on this roster, right? Like, he was, he, Nate, Nate went with Jaleel Okafor and Johnny Hamilton over him, flat out. So we'll see how Jalen responds in this fourth preseason game. I do think it's pretty important um, for him because they, I mean, at, at this point in time, like, if Jalen, like, there's no other way. Like, Jalen has a real path to playing time. I'm not – I think Capella's going to miss some real time during the regular season. Yeah. Uh, until, until I – until he's, like, on the floor and doing stuff, and, like, these reports where he's talking about how his uh, – you know, he's finally healing since his initial foot injury when he was with the Rockets, that's not room for optimism for me. Uh, that injury happened a year ago, over a year ago now. So – so, like, there's real playing time for Jalen, but, like, he's struggling through confidence issues. He's also playing a new, relatively new position at, at center most of the time. Like, most of the time, he is actually just playing center. So, I, like, to be fair to him, this is a new position that he's playing with new responsibilities. And it's not the position he thought anybody thought he was going to be playing, you know, when they drafted him. But, you know, situations change, and they need him because I, I can't stress this enough. Jane physically is not there like these rebounds he's not getting are a massive problem and like to the point that it's a lot of like it was a lot of John Collins having to put in real effort to secure if John Collins not going all out to get the rebound this team's not grabbing a defensive rebound that's a massive problem uh, because John Collins can't play 48 minutes right? <laughs> he cannot he can't play the full 48 minute game like I've been, we've been talking about how it'd be nice if John could stretch his minutes, but like, like I do think the, the big man situation on this Hawks team is a real legitimate concern. I just saw the Grizzlies toss out two quality big men who might not be, like those might be what their third and fourth bigs, uh, in Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark, and like I, I'm, I, this is just me from an outsider's perspective. I'm like, if I think my team can win a championship, but they need the number one seed. Can I afford to go into a season without a center that I can trust for at least 15 minutes? Like they, because I like I'm watch, like this, this is my biggest takeaway from the three games, including this third one. Nate does not trust these centers, and I don't know how you can. Like they they're not playing well. All right, that's the end of part one of this two-part podcast. As a reminder, part two should be in your podcast feed right now. So if you missed anything from previous episodes, please subscribe. But also be sure to remember to click over to part two and download both episodes. Tell your friends about the podcast. Check out Tower's work. Check out my work at BT Roland. Check out the uh, Locked on Hawks podcast at Locked on Hawks on Twitter and anywhere you can find podcasts. And we'll see you next time. But one more time, 
part two, available now. Check it out, and we'll be back next time.